Welcome to the Liquid Church Podcast, a place where you can hear the timeless truth of God's Word in a way that's culturally relevant and cutting edge. Today, you're tuning in for our series, Man Up, where we explore the meaning behind biblical masculinity and what it means to be a mature man who chooses sacrifice in the name of love. It's our hope this message will help you discover how God's story relates to your own and that you will leave feeling encouraged. Thanks for joining us today and enjoy the message. So we put a fence around our house about 20 years ago. It wasn't because we thought it looked nice. It wasn't like for the aesthetics. It was because of Percy. Uh, Percy was our first dog. Here's a picture of him as a puppy. Pretty cute, right? So Colleen and I had just gotten married. We moved into our first home. We didn't have kids yet. So we thought, let's get a dog. That's what couples do, right? Before they have kids, we figured if we can keep the dog alive, then maybe we can try kids. It's like a, a bridge pet. So Percy, our puppy, is a Vishla hunting dog known for being very obedient. And I fancied myself a little bit of a Caesar Milan, a little bit of a dog trainer. And I taught Percy the basics, you know, sit, stay, oh, way, stay, release, you know. And I got actually really good with him. Our house was on a double yellow line road at the time, very busy, a lot of traffic whizzing by. And, and so I'd have Percy in the front yard and I'd be like, stay, wait. Wait, right there. Wait, 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 wait. And I'd go to the sidewalk. I'd get the mail, you know. I'd be like, slow, come to me. You know, and he'd walk slowly to me, sit at my feet. I was pretty proud that a, you know, dog under voice command. And uh, so one day my wife, Colleen, go, comes home with groceries. And, and I go out to the front yard, help carry bags in. And Percy's with me. And we're in the front driveway. And cars are whizzing by. And Col goes, Tim, do you think you should have him on a leash? And I, of course, get defensive. I'm like, well, you think I don't know how to control my own dog? Watch this. Sit, boy. Wait. Oh, wait, right there. Stay. And Percy sits there like a statue, just watching. And I'm carrying groceries up to the porch. I go back, grab some more out of her trunk. And as I turn around out of the corner of my eye, I see it across the street. There's a woman walking a giant German shepherd. Now, I see the German shepherd, but Percy doesn't yet. And cars are whipping by, and she's getting closer, walking across the street. And suddenly, the German shepherd lets out that deep, woof, woof. And Percy's ears, like, prick up, and he stands up. And I go, whoa, 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 boy, relax, relax, re- relax, stay, don't move. And he's sitting there. He's looking at the German shepherd back at me, looking at the German shepherd, and kind of starts, like, you ever see, like, dog when they, their muscles are, like, twitching, like, <laughs> they're ready to explode? And the lady with the German shepherd is now directly across the street from us. And she waves and she goes, hi, Pastor Tim. And like an idiot, I wave back, hey, which in dog language is quite similar to release. And Percy takes off like a crack out of a cannon runs straight into the street, and I can still see the Buick Skylark coming at him. It happened in slow motion. The dog is running, and I'm like, here comes the Buick. 50 feet away, 40, 20, 10, boom! And he hits Percy broadside. And Percy, I will never forget, and his body flies end over end over end and lands a full house life length down the road, full house length. His body laying in a lifeless heap. It was in slow motion. I I drop the groceries. I run into the traffic, Percy. And I'm expecting to see this bloody mess. But as I'm a few feet away, Percy pops up and he leaps into my arms. And I throw him in the truck, peel out to the vet. They take him into the ER. And I'm sitting there with my head in my hands like, we've had this dog for three months and we couldn't keep him alive. How are we ever going to keep the kids alive? And the vet comes out and I'm thinking, this is it. You know, I'm like, "How, how bad is it? I'm expecting there's going to be internal bleeding. I'm bracing for the worst. And the vet says, well, 
I got some pretty miraculous news. You're a religious guy, right? This is a miracle. <laughs> Percy's okay. I was like, what? No bleeding <laughs> inside. There's not a broken bone in his whole body. And I was like, that's impossible. I saw the view of him. And he, he said, because he's a puppy, his bones aren't brittle yet. In fact, he's so young, his bones are remarkably soft like rubber. So he must have bounced off the bumper of that Buick and he'll actually be fine. He'll, he's going to be sore in black and blue for, for weeks. But you looked out, buddy. Hey, can I make a suggestion? Why don't you get a fence? <laughs> and so that's how we got a fence, friends. Because here's the big idea. Sometimes you get a second chance with your dog. But you don't get a second chance with your daughter. That's my little girl who came along a year later. I made that mistake once and Percy paid the price, but as a father, ooh, I will spend and do whatever it takes to protect my family. And so we paid to have a fence put around our house. Now, by the way, pet lovers, Percy made a full recovery. He lived a full and happy dog life, full of dog years. In fact, after that incident, he didn't, it's kind of funny, he didn't even need a fence. He would sit on our front porch like a statue, wouldn't go near the sidewalk. There could be a parade of cats coming down the street. Percy's like, nah, no way, stand right here. <laughs> Man, it's Father's Day, and today I want to talk to you about the four fences that every man needs to safeguard his life and those he loves, to safeguard your family, your kids, your marriage, your relationships at work, your relationship with God. I think we all understand what a, a fence is, and for our purposes, I'm going to define a fence this way. It's, it's a barrier you erect to protect those you love. Think of it this way. It's like a behavioral boundary that you intentionally establish to safeguard your integrity, your family, and leadership. Now, the Bible is actually full of famous fences. In Joshua 22, we read, the Lord has made the Jordan, that's a river, a boundary between us and you, you Reubenites and Gadites. You have no share in the Lord, so your descendants might cause ours to stop fearing the Lord. We're putting a boundary between those two groups. Now, today, I want to talk about erecting fences, moral fences, that protect your key relationships, your marriage, your ministry, your family, integrity, relationship with Jesus Christ. Because our generation right now is littered with the burning wreckage of men who started out well, but were brought down by sexual scandals, spectacular moral failures. And I'm not just talking about famous men or political leaders, though I think we can all think of a lot of men who had no fences, right? You got Bill Clinton, Anthony Weiner, there's sports figures who should have had a fence like Tiger Woods or Joe Paterno. But in the past few years, it's been tragic to see pastors and church leaders leading the parade of disgraced leaders beset by scandal. You've got Bill Hybels from Willow Creek accused of sexual harassment, abuse of power. Carl Lenz, famous New York City pastor who had an affair. Ravi Zacharias, the greatest global evangelist of our generation, won thousands to Christ and yet had a secret life sexually exploiting women in massage parlors. How does that happen? Brian Houston, global pastor of Hillsong, who recently resigned. It could go on and on and on. There's institutional abuse. There's sexual abuse in the Catholic Church, the Southern Baptist Convention. The list just goes on and on and on, and it's sickening. Every new headline makes me wonder, like, how and why does this keep happening? How is it that talented, strong, brilliant men of faith, men of seemingly legitimate faith and integrity, find themselves running out in the street, blowing past boundaries and blowing up their lives, causing catastrophic damage to the, the women they abuse, victimize and betray, bringing untold pain to those they love, and worst of all, shame to Jesus. 
You understand with every moral failure, Jesus gets another black eye before our culture. Because cynics go like this, they go, Christian men, man, they're no different, come on. They're just like the rest of them, only more hypocritical. Now, I'm not here to bring us down on Father's Day. Men, I'm here to encourage you. I'm here to lift you up and help you lead and stay off that list. So I want to teach you today about four fences that I've set in place in my life to protect my family and listen, to protect this church. Now, ladies, remember, I'm speaking mainly to men today. That's who this series is designed for. I am 100% confident that Pastor Kyra could do a talk like this, tailor-made for women and crush it. But these are some of the best practices for men and women who work and lead together. And I'm going to share it from a male perspective. So men, I want to challenge you today to consider adopting some of these fences in your own family, your life and leadership of the long haul. Now, our Bible text for this comes from 1 Timothy chapter 3, which describes the requirements for leaders this way. Listen to what Paul wrote. He said, so a leader must be a person whose life is, what's the word, church? Above reproach. Put that in your pocket. Let's talk about what that means. He must be faithful to his wife. He must exercise self-control. He must live wisely and have what? A good bank account. No, a good reputation, which is worth more than gold. Paul is speaking mainly to men here, specifically church leaders, but I think this has application to every man. Whether you're single, you're married, you're starting over. He says, you must be a person whose life is above reproach. Now, what's that mean above reproach? Let me tell you, it doesn't mean you're perfect. Living above reproach means you take such pains and precautions. You are so intentional about the boundaries you put in place that you never put yourself in a compromising position. So if someone's going to accuse you, they're going to have to completely fabricate it, make it all up. Because you've taken such painstaking precautions to put fences in place that protect you and those you serve alongside. Now, I've been a pastor for 22 years. And when we started the church, this scripture in 1 Timothy 3 inspired me to put four fences in place in my life to protect my marriage, my family, protect this church, our female staff, our volunteers, to protect the reputation of Jesus from tragedy and moral failure. So I made a vow, I made a commitment, a promise to myself, my wife and my God, that I'm not gonna be on that list. But I find that promises are empty. You could talk a lot about this stuff. You gotta take practical action. So if you're taking notes, men, I'm gonna encourage you to do this. I wanna teach you the four fences in my life, challenge you to install them in yours. My first fence is what I call a private fence. And the operating principle is this. I never meet one-on-one -on -one with the opposite sex behind a closed door without windows. <laughs> I actually learned this as a young teacher teaching high school. I was about 24 years old at the time and I was teaching high school 16-year-olds. Uh, and the English department chair, she was this kind of crotchety old woman, <laughs> about 72, and she said, Mr. Lucas, you have good hair. <laughs> Here's what I want, listen to me. Never, ever, ever meet behind closed doors with any of these girls. These girls are boy crazy, don't trust them, and don't trust yourself. She said, I want you to always meet in public with a door open or there's got to be a window in the room. Now, I put that into practice 24 years ago, which is why to this day, I never meet one-on-one -on -one with the opposite sex behind a closed door with no windows. You guys probably know Billy Graham, the greatest evangelist of all time, I think. He had a principle he'd never ride an elevator alone with a woman who wasn't his wife. Now, listen carefully. Not because he didn't trust women, but because he wanted to live above reproach, free from anything that could be misinterpreted. 
He could be accused as compromising as a man of God. So the way that looks in my life after services, you guys probably know, I love to stand in the lobby, man, and talk and pray with people. It's my very favorite things to do as a pastor. I love it. A couple of years ago, I had a woman in crisis come up for prayer, a young distraught wife. She was actually going through a separation with her husband. Young woman in her thirties, pretty attractive. Colleen mentioned that to me. And she was crying and she said, I just need to talk to you in private. Can I come up to your office and talk to you privately? And I had to say, with all the love of my heart, the answer is no. We can actually, let's sit down right here in these chairs, have a coffee and chat in full view of others. You know why? Because I don't do private coffees. I don't meet in empty offices. Not because I don't trust her, I don't trust me. I wanna live above reproach. Startling fact, in ministry, the vast majority of infidelity affairs begin behind closed doors in a counseling session. Did you know that? Intimate, one-on-one where there's vulnerability. The same is true when men get too close with a coworker. So here's what I decided to do at Liquid. I said, you know what? We're gonna have windows installed in every single door in every one of our church buildings. That's over 267 doors, people. We took everyone off their hinges, put it down, carved it out, put windows in, and it was expensive and 100% worth the investment. You know why? Because we wanna create a culture of transparency. Our meeting rooms are actually made out of glass. You know why? We want people to be able to see in. We want everyone to know they're being watched, what's going on, because we believe it encourages transparent behavior. I actually teach every one of our staff and leaders, I teach them, never meet behind closed doors or in a windowless room. If you are having a confidential or sensitive conversation with the opposite sex, you actually always should meet with two or more people, witnesses who can account for what was discussed. Again, you could call me tightwad. You could say, oh, you're, you're such, you know, that's, you just seem like you're really uptight about this, Tim. When I travel for work, if I go speak somewhere, I almost always take my wife, never my female assistant. That is a hard fence for me. I have fast and hard fences in my personal life. You know what that means? I have never given a car ride home to a babysitter, ever. My wife will do it. I don't go out for private meals or coffees one-on-one with women. Not because I'm afraid of them, but because as a man, I have a capacity as a son of Adam for self-delusion. And I want to live above reproach in my public and private lives. So this is a hard fence for me. You know what I mean by that? It's not flexible. It's a boundary I put in place to protect me from me, to honor my wife, to safeguard our staff and protect this church family. Now, let me be very clear about this, okay? Because I know what some of you are saying. You're like, well, that's not fair to the women. This is not an isolation strategy. Like, let's keep men and women separate and that'll solve it. No, no, no. At Liquid, we actually have a very robust theology that says men and women can lead together as co-equals in Christ. We share influence in a church family. In fact, over half our staff at Liquid are very talented female leaders. Can we hear from the female leaders here? Praise God for you. Many of you have similar situations at your work. But I'm personally blessed to work alongside four crazy talented sisters in Christ who are part of my team. My executive assistant, Janet, who's awesome. Pastor Kyra, who you guys know. Hostel Siegel's on our lead team. Lauren Berkerich, who's a young mom with three kids under three. Pray for her. It's, it, it is one of my primary responsibilities and joy is to mentor, coach, and develop these women as leaders. And that's a joy to do because they're incredible people. I see them as sisters in Christ. So this isn't about isolation. It is vital that female leaders have access to me, to other men, to learn, grow their influence, reach their God-given potential, okay? This isn't about patriarchy and abuse of power. We wanna safeguard that dynamic. 
So what we do is we put up fences, intentional practices that protect all of us, both men and women. For example, I teach both our male and female pastors and staff, you never travel alone with the opposite sex. That's a hard and fast rule. I don't care if it's sharing a ride to the airport. I don't care if it's going out to lunch at a restaurant nearby. We have too much respect for each other's marriages and we want to protect each other's families. The truth is fences are very inconvenient, aren't they? I remember going home from school when I was a kid and the Lankers always had this fence that we'd have to jump. And it was so high, you couldn't get over it. You had to go around. Fences are inconvenient, but it's worth the investment. I remember one time, uh, actually, it was like a couple months ago, myself and Pastor Kyra, we had to meet about a campus project. And we both had had a very busy day of meetings and emails and meeting means more meetings and Zooms and all that. And we actually, I skipped lunch. She's like, I didn't have lunch either. So I said, hey, let's grab something quick to eat. And we'll do like a working lunch. We'll work through our agenda items. And there's a pizza joint four minutes from this church. So you know what we did? I'll meet you at the pizza joint. We drove separate cars to the pizza place. Why? Because... Pastor Kyra is my sister in Christ and I respect her husband, Jose, so much. I want to honor and protect their marriage. And so I inconvenience myself. She inconveniences herself and we take separate cars. Why? Because we want to live above reproach. If my assistant Janet gives me a ride to the airport, she actually brings a third person. So we ever never drive alone. Now, listen, man, that may seem silly or caveman like to you, but I believe it has two major benefits. First, I believe God honors it. You know why? You're prioritizing your integrity and you're protecting other people. I believe God will actually multiply your impact beyond whatever inconvenience it causes because you're prioritizing your character above convenience. And here's the second bonus. This is a huge blessing to my wife. Colleen says, Tim, it makes me feel protected. It makes her feel prioritized. It gives her peace of mind. She doesn't have to worry because this has been a hard fence for me over a decade. So my first fence is private. But now watch, my second is public. The first is defense, the second is offensive. And I call it a public fence, which means you may have noticed, I speak often of my affection for my spouse in public when she's present and when she's not. If you're a married man, this is about elevating your marriage and family in a public way to your coworkers, to your friends, so that folks know that your marriage is actually strong and your commitment to family comes first, even before the church. Now, for me, it's very easy to do because I love my wife, Colleen. You're like, I know you talk about her all the time. Here's a, here's a picture of her, okay? This is my wife, and I know she's amazing. Isn't she mother of my children, 23 years married? Hot mama right there. She's a joy of my life. You guys know I talk openly about our relationship and sermons and stuff, but there's a, there's a reason I do that. It's, it's not just because it comes easy. It sends a message to outsiders because there's a lot of wacky people in the world. You know that? about our commitment to each other, and it wards off any would-be wackos. So you'll notice I'm always talking about my wife and kids, about our date nights, our trips, because public praise is a verbal fence. It communicates that I am smitten, passionate, unavailable, and that includes PDAs. You guys know what PDAs are, public displays of affection? You, you, you get, you've probably seen us. We hold hands together in the lobby. I'll sneak a kiss in there. Some of you are like, ah, it's revolting. Hey, I don't care, man. Okay, go get your own church. At Liquid, <laughs> at Liquid we have a policy. Ready? Here it is. PDAs are A-OK for married staff. I think it's a sign of a healthy marriage. I love when I see a guy with his arm around his wife. That started for me 10 years ago. When I first did a message series on the Song of Solomon, and the wife of King Solomon wrote these words. Listen to it. He has taken me to the banquet hall where everybody's eating and his banner over me is love. 
In ancient times, soldiers going into battle, they would actually take a banner, the king's banner, and wave it on the battlefield to say, I'm with him. It was called flying the flag. In a similar way, a king would fly a banner over his queen to announce, she's under my protection. Now, King Solomon, the wisest man in the Bible, did this with his wife. He took her out to eat, to a banquet hall, took her out in public, where everybody's gathered. And you know what he did? He waved the flag. His banner over me is love. Through praise, that woman felt protected, cherished, esteemed, and secure. Here's the truth. Marriages that are failing in private often first grow silent in public. When a man avoids publicly affirming his wife and vice versa, I see it as a red warning light on the dashboard, an indicator of dry rot in the relationship. So husbands, even wives, fly that flag, man. You wave that banner. Passion means you're protective of your key relationships in public. Now, this third fence is what I call the filter fence. You have to run your motives through a filter and beware of secondary gains when meeting with the opposite sex. Leave that up because people are taking a picture of this. Beware of secondary gains when meeting with the opposite sex. In other words, in any work scenario, there's a primary reason you're meeting or working alongside others at your work or ministry. And it goes both ways, right? This is men working with women, women with men. But in my world, I work closely with both men and women on outreaches and projects and, and helping with problems. That's the primary purpose of leadership. But understand, like we learned in EHS, there's a shadow side to you, right? There's the sunny side, the positive motives. And then there's a shadow side where you get a secondary gain or benefit to your ego. It's always lurking in the background. For instance, a lot of times on a Sunday after message, I'll have people come up and say, man, thanks for that message. It was just for me. And I'll, I'll say, what was it? I said, well, you said this and it felt like God was speaking to me. Thank you, Tim. I feel closer to Jesus's love because of you. You know what? This, the positive side of me is like, praise God. I'm so happy they heard from you, Lord. That's why I do this. But my flesh side, as a man, I have to admit, I'm like, that affirmation feels pretty good. I, I like being helpful. That's, that, watch this. Now watch this. The shadow side of your ego, if you don't, aren't aware of this, will say, see, you're kind of big deal. You're kind of important. People write down stuff that you say. Don't, don't you want more of that? So here's a question. Do you seek praise and affirmation from the opposite sex? Because that's how most affairs begin. Affairs never begin in a hotel room. They never begin with physical contact. They start with emotional connection. Like this. I tell, I, I've seen this a million times. Again, I'm a pastor. I know how people's lives work. So a guy will feel frustrated at work and then he feels criticized at home. And so he finds a confidant at work who kind of understands him. If he's working long hours and his spouse is critical, but there's a female coworker shows him comfort, like, you work so hard. You know what? She doesn't understand you. You don't deserve to be treated like that. That feels a little bit good at first to your ego, but watch this, the trap is set. So here's the fence. You never discuss intimate issues or personal problems with the opposite sex. It's false intimacy. The devil will drive a wedge in your heart. I'm talking about avoiding emotional entanglement. You wanna take a picture of that. Just to normalize this temptation will happen to almost every man and woman at some point because you're human. When you work closely with others, a lot of times it's intense, it's emotional and bonds develop. So you have to be able to test your heart. So I want to teach you right now three tests you can give your heart to make sure you're leading from a healthy place and not out of your shadow side. 
This is a tool I have taught to hundreds of pastors as well as our staff. Three filters to test your motives. The first is what I call the sibling test. And it simply means I never do or say anything to a woman that I wouldn't do or say to my sister. That makes sense? Because if you think of your sister, think of your sister, those of you got a sister, right? You like, you respect your sister, you love your sister, but like, it's a, not a romantic love, it's familial, it's platonic. I call it the sibling test. Listen to how 1 Timothy describes it. He writes, treat younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, and younger women as what? As sisters, how? With absolute purity. So the idea, men, is that you treat your female coworkers and teammates like you would treat your sister. You know why? Because they're your sister in Christ. So for instance, Pastor Kyra and I, we work together on all sorts of things, right? Sermons, leadership, podcasts, all that kind of stuff. We're friends, we're, we're co-laborers in ministry, but it means I'd never behave towards Kyra in any way that I wouldn't behave with my own biological sister. That's how I relate to her. That's how I relate to Janet, my assistant, to Lauren, our digital director. All the talented sisters I work with, we're spiritual siblings. We share a healthy dynamic. You know what that means? It means we're friendly, we're thoughtful, but it's drained of any of the dysfunction or innuendo or crude joking that's out of line for God's people. Worldly men are notorious for this, right? You guys know. Come in here, camera, look at me. Flirting with coworkers, come on. Sharing raunchy jokes, Sending crude memes, let me be very clear, crystal clear. It is totally out of place for the people of God. You got to man up. Ephesians 4.3 gives this instruction. But among you, there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity because these are improper for God's holy people. Not even a hint. You treat your female teammates as respected sisters. They are co-equals in Christ. You are both made in the image of God. He's your shared father. So that means anything impure, any uh, comments, texts, flirting, emails, jokes, 100% out of place. The Bible says not even a hint, zero tolerance. That's the sibling test. The second test is what I call the secrets test. And the principle is you never share a secret with a coworker that you withhold from your spouse. So if you're married, there should be no secrets that you share with your teammates that you withhold from, from, from your wife. Marriage is the appropriate place for intimacy for married people. I'll talk about singles in a moment. You are trying to avoid emotional entanglement. It's not appropriate to share secrets with the opposite sex at work because it creates a bond. Now there's something just between the two of you. If you're single, this is why you need a band of brothers. I'm going to talk about this in a minute. You need other men you can be honest with and share accountability with. The third test is the screen test, which has saved me so much grief over the years. Everything's electronic now. Whenever I compose an email, I don't just spell check it. Whenever I am about to send a text or leave a voicemail, I ask this question. Would I be okay if this text or this conversation were put up on the big screen at church to the whole congregation? That's my screen test. Literally, man, I want you to imagine that your private communications were projected up on these giant LED walls in front of our whole church family. Here's my question. Would you be panicking? <laughs> or no big deal, man. When in doubt, you leave it out. Don't send it. Don't say it. Don't click it. You guys understand we live in a TGIF world. TikTok, Google, Instagram, Facebook. Information now is portable. You take it with you. But guess what? Whatever you type, whatever you send is now permanent. So late night scrolling on your phone, 
texting your ex, private DMs. Reminds me of this question from Proverbs. (laughs) Can a man scoop fire into his lap without his clothes being burned? Let me tell you something. Cruising the internet without a filter or accountability, it's like scooping fire in your lap. It's too easy, guys. As men, we are one click away from disaster at all times. Thanks to your phone, it has never been so easy to destroy your life so quickly with just the swipe of a screen. I don't know if you know this, guys. There are traps all over. I'll be like checking the Yankees score on ESPN and all of a sudden I'll say like, why did Tom Brady's wife wear this? Click here. And I'm like, wait, what did she wear? No, no, don't click. So here's a general rule for web browsing, sending texts or DMs. DMs are just direct messages through social media. Actually, here's the rule on DMs. Never DM anybody. Just don't do it. You run it through the screen test. Here's a question. Take a picture of this. Put it on your browser. If we put your texts or browser history from the last six months up on the big screen, would you be panicked, running out of here, embarrassed, blushing, or no big deal? Go for it, bro. Because you can do that on my phone. You got to ask yourself, would I be embarrassed if this conversation were on a big screen for everyone to see? Because God does see it, right? Those are the three tests I use to tame my shadow side. The sibling test, I always run it through. The secrets test and the screen test. Does that make sense, man? I'll put it up on the screen one more time. They have served me so, over, so well over the years. My wife loves it because she knows this is how I practice living above approach in tech life. In fact, my wife and family have an all access pass to my electronic devices, my laptop, my phone. My Colleen and my kids can look at my emails, my texts, my calendar, my appointments. Anytime, no questions asked. It's not private. I don't have private accounts. She has all the passwords to all my accounts. You know why? Because I got nothing to hide. Do you? Can I ask, who has permission to check your phone, your browser? Do you have accountability? That's the fourth and final fence for men, the friendship fence. Particularly single men, do you have a band of brothers, male friends who can, you can confide in and can hold you accountable? If you remember our core verse, 1 Corinthians says, act like Men. Notice men is plural. In other words, real men are team players. Boys are lone wolves. Guys, you weren't created to be a lone wolf. Men need a wolf pack to run with. Both single and married men. A group of guys who are committed to Christ and to each other. And so this is about community. Actually inviting other men into your wolf pack, which let's be honest, it's hard for a lot of guys. And guys, that's why we are hosting a special men's gathering this Saturday June 24th, we're hosting a men's barbecue. It's actually the 25th and cornhole competition at a broadcast campus in Parsippany. It's from nine to noon. All the men from every campus, y'all invited, okay? Single men, married men, fathers, sons, coming out, meet some new friends and experience community. Now, to tell us about this last fence, I want to invite out one of my very good friends, Pastor Mike Lee. Would you welcome Pastor Mike to the stage? Hey, guys. Hey, Tim. Happy Father's Mike, Day. Mike, ha- happy Father's Day, yeah. Mike. Mike's our pastor of discipleship. I see you brought a little gift here. What, what? Yeah, you know, I think we're doing a man series. We could talk over a drink. We're a liquid church, right? I, you brought a beer keg. Yeah. This well, is, it's not quite the message we're trying to send here. <laughs> it's, it's root beer, Tim. I wanted to, you know. Oh, okay. Root, all right. Have I'll have a little root beer, beer man. Yeah, let's root do it. Beer? Pump right, this thing up. This. Hold on. I want to get a little bit. Anybody want root beer? You want a little root beer? Come here. Right. Whoa. Jeez. Whoa. Whoa. Here right. we go. Here we go. Oh, come on. Here, take it. Go ahead. You take this one. Well, Mike and I will have a, have a little bit later. Thank you, my man. Awesome. Right. So, dude, sit down. I just would like to chat with you just a little yeah. bit and, and know. Tell us, a, you know, before you tell us about Saturday's gathering, because we're getting the men together. I like to hear about your experience. Like as a guy in New Jersey, 
Are you living as a lone wolf, Mike? Or are you part of a wolf pack? Oof, that's, a, that's a really big question to, to unpack, uh, no pun intended. But you know, right now, the honest answer is probably I'm coming out of this pandemic and I'm trying to rediscover what my wolf pack is and who my wolf pack is. Um, I have some great friends that God surrounded me with, but we're just not all part of the same wolf pack. And so, you know, uh, I heard this great statistic recently. Among Christian men, 62% of them actually said they're really satisfied, very satisfied with their marriages, but only 30% said they're very satisfied uh, with their friendships. And so, you know, what that tells me really is that there's a lot of guys out there probably had their wife look over their shoulder when they took that survey. (laughs) (laughs) Right, exactly. Um, Not me. I took it, you know, and I answered very honestly. But in all seriousness, Tim, you know, I know that my relationships have struggled, right? And that that statistic really kind of confirms that in my heart, right? And I know that I'm not alone in feeling this way. But God's really been so good because I I can admit there's friendships that have drifted, um, but there's also relationships that God's breathed new life into that have actually thrived in the season and actually even made a new friend over the pandemic when I least expected it. And uh, God really reminds me in Proverbs, he says, you know, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. And so I imagine Mm. it's like two iron blades rubbing against each other and, you know, they don't get dull, they don't get duller, they don't lose their... um, their sharpness, they actually become sharper. And that's what I think authentic masculine friendship is really all about, right? It's what we're supposed to do. When we as guys spend intentional time together, we're serving, praying, fellowshipping, having fun, we sharpen each other. Let me ask you this. So give, give me an ex- a practical example of that, because you're talking yeah. about more than just like, you know, watching the Yankee game together. Yeah, I would watch the Mets, but... Um, <laughs> Boom, you know, get out of here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I, you know, honestly, it reminds me of my good friend, uh, Ken. Ooh, right. Mets fans. <laughs> we'll see each other in the World Series. Ah! Um, Ken and I, we went to college together, and he's also a Mets fan. And he's someone who's always had this real genuine faith, right? He's always stretched me. He's always uh, told me honestly, in love and truth, um, you know, what's going on. He's never shy about asking in a difficult situation. He doesn't just say, man, that sucks. I'll pray for you. He says, well, what do you think God's saying to you in this situation? Mm. How is God really speaking to you or your family? And that's really an important person for all of us to have in our wolf pack. So he asks that question, but he also has permission to call me out. And we need that Mm. person because they're doing it in a place of love to build us up, not to tear us down. Um, We need men in our lives who are not just making us comfortable, but they're looking to make us better. And that's what Ken does. He makes me sharp every time we speak. He was actually one of the first people I talked to when I was deciding whether God was calling me out of the corporate world Mm -hmm. and to be a pastor here at at Liquid. You know, I shared all my reasons, my fears, my doubts, my hopes. Um, And I said, let me know if anything I'm saying really sounds out of place or is questionable. Uh, And he was really supportive. We prayed together. He was honest with me, asked a lot of good questions, and he continues to do that for me today. In fact, um, we just spoke last week. And one of the things that I love is that we end our calls. He always is very intentional about saying, hey, I love you, man. And um, to be honest, I'm not sure I do that with Becky every time because we'll be caught up with like, <laughs> you got the kids here, I got the kids here, or I'll see you tonight, right? Totally. Right, right? And we go, right? But with yeah. Ken, it's always like, I love you, man. Like, I-, I think we can relate. I mean, let me ask you this, because a lot of guys, other than the pandemic, what's the biggest thing that keeps you from like authentic friendship and, and real accountability with other men? Yeah, there's a lot of reasons. I think for me, one of the biggest ones is a family of origin for all the EHS fans out there. Mm. Um, I'm actively working through a lot of family of origin things. In my immediate family, we were the first to come here from Korea. 
And so it was just us. And I think a lot of guys, they, they experience that community among men with like grandfathers, uncles, brothers, cousins, right? That's where you experience that. Sometimes you get some bad habits from there, but at least you learn like that dynamic of what it means mm. to be in a group of men. Um, but for me, it was just tough, right? Always tough to be feeling like I was a little alone. Um, I had a brother, I had a, a dad, right? But difficult emotions like anger, sadness, we didn't really talk about that. We didn't really process that together. And I know this is true in a lot of cultures, but in the Korean American community, we really don't bring shame to our family. That's like a big no-no. We have to maintain that everything is not just okay, but we're perfect. I think right? most guys are like that. I don't yeah. think it's just cultural, right? Like yeah. guys don't like to look embarrassed or yeah. come up short. And so growing up, you know, I had some friends, but I also became really good at, um, at, at looking like I was part of a wolf pack, but also making sure I stayed protected. So not really being an authentic community and finding ways to, to isolate myself. But it's not just family of origin, right? So for some of us, it could be like season of life, like maybe you're a dad of littles and you're caring for aging parents. So we have sandwich yeah. generation things, there's work, there's school, crazy busy schedule, right? Maybe they'll have time for friends in a little bit, but you know, I think there's pride also. I'm a one-man wolf pack. Like, guys find pride in just being alone. Oh, yeah. And I've done anybody. that, right? I've been guilty of using all of these excuses. And it's really probably only in the last five to ten years that um, I've even become that aware that I want and need to have this community of men out there. Um, so I just want to encourage you guys out there, right? Like, Jesus wants you to be in community because he was in community. Jesus had 12 disciples, he had his band of brothers, and then he had his inner circle of three. Yeah. Um, and I love how Ecclesiastes puts it. He sa it says, uh, the one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves, a cord of three strands is not quickly broken. And so that word, uh, it's a picture of strength that comes from this authentic Christian community that we can find as men. And when a man finds a true brother in another man, and he can be transparent, he can be open, that's accountability, yeah. right? And then when you have that third strand, the Lord is binding them together in friendship, and that's, it's so powerful, right? Yeah, I think when men are alone, I think we can be easily overwhelmed, overpowered but by what life throws at us. You know, the lies we even tell ourselves, yeah. right? Like, I don't really have anything to add, but we replace it with the truth of Jesus, right? Like, you are enough. You are a son of God with the Holy Spirit living in you. There's room at the table. Better yet, we want to be made in God. We're made in God's image. Yeah. And God is in community with himself, guys. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And guess what? He made you and wired you the same way. So Mike, just to tell us before you leave about this men's gathering, you're planning for Saturday. It's nine to noon. Um, I think we put a card in everyone's program today. There's some of your welcome center. There's a barbecue, guys. How can men get involved? That's right. We are inviting every man at Liquid. Uh, fathers, bring your sons if they're 14 or older. We're going to meet at nine here in Parsippany for some coffee and some snacks. Bring a pair of work gloves. We're going to be doing some uh, trimming of branches, clearing brush, mulching, weeding. It's a good thing for guys to get sweaty together, work shoulder to shoulder, and serve other people. And then you know what? Church is fun. We're going to break for a little barbecue lunch. So make sure you bring a lawn chair. We'll have some games. Uh, Pastor Jim and Pastor Ernie are going to be manning the barbecue pit. It's going to be a great time. I did. Is the, I heard a little rumor floating around. Is there, is there going to be a pig roast? Can't confirm or deny that. But how do you feel <laughs> about funky parts and, and trying like eyeballs and things like that? Guys, we're going to have a cornhole competition between campus. It's just a fun day for the men of Liquid to connect and enjoy friendship together. Last question. Do you have to sign up for this? Yeah, you know, we'd love for you to sign up. We already have 100 guys signed up. Just visit liquidchurch.com slash men. Let us know you're coming so we can uh, know how much pulled pork that we got to prepare. And we're going to have beer, correct? Uh, yeah, probably root beer, um, yeah. <laughs> not, not regular beer. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, my man. All right, love thanks, you, brother. Tim. Thank you. Yep. Can we thank Pastor Mike for his leadership? Grateful for you, bro.
Man, I hope you'll receive this invitation. Come on in, there's room, man. We begin building a fence of friendship with other Christian men. Don't be a lone wolf, that's boy stuff. We all need friends to sharpen us spiritually. I love that verse, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. Guys, I can't wait to spend next Saturday together, and I can't wait to smoke some of you suckers in cornhole. All right, now before I pray for you, hold on, hold on, hold on, it's Father's Day. I just wanna review here. I told you about four fences every man needs to put in place to safeguard your marriage, family, your relationship with Christ. I told you about a private fence. I told you about my public fence, the filter fence. I gave you three different tests you could have and and the friendship fence. Guys, understand something. Fences are for freedom, not legalism so that you can start and finish well as leaders who love Jesus in his church. So let me leave you with three questions to talk about with your small group or your band of brothers. Ready guys? Here we go. First one. What fences, which ones do you currently have in place? Let's celebrate. I know some of you guys have good boundaries. Take an inventory of what we just talked about and talk about with your group. Which fence do you have in place? And where is your weakest link? Because guys, we all have one. My guess is you may even be aware of one or two of these areas that I was talking about. They're like, man, that's a gap in my game. It's a weak link. Maybe you've got good public fences at work, but lack accountability in your private life. Where's your weak link? And then ask yourself, which fence is God nudging you to fix this summer. Guys, it's time to do a little fence mending. If you got a gap in your game, man up. Fix your fence this summer. You are not alone. We're in it together and we're here to lift each other and help each other up. Amen? Say hoo-ha if you agree. Hoo-ha! All right, let's pray together, church. Let's open our hands as a sign of opening our hearts. Father, I thank you for the men of liquid. I thank you for the sons, fathers, sons, brothers, uncles, grandpas. Lord, every man, And this church has sacred worth because they're a child of God. At the end of the day, we're your sons. But we're like our father, Adam, our earthly father, Adam. We have feet of clay, Lord. We have, uh, our hearts can trick us and be deceptive. And Father, we want to walk faithfully. We want to walk with purity in a toxic culture. We want to walk straight where everything's out of whack in this world. So Father, I pray that today you would save just one or two men, a marriage or a family, because of how your Holy Spirit has come through your word. Father, I pray right now for my brothers. Lift them up. Let them know they have what it takes. In Christ, they are more than conquerors. And Father God, I pray that the, my sisters, all the women of this church, would feel loved, elevated, appreciated, protected, respected, and honored in Christ as our co-equals, because they are. Father God, we want to give a model to a world that is out of whack of what healthy male-female dynamics look like. So by the power of your Holy Spirit and with the righteousness of Jesus, would you create that culture at Liquid Church? We're your bride. We love you, Jesus. Everyone said together, amen. Amen. Let's give God a praise. Thank you for joining us today. If you want to check out Liquid Church for a weekend service, small group, outreach, or clean water trip, you can find out more about us online at liquidchurch.com. And if you enjoy the podcast, go ahead and subscribe or share it with your friends. Thanks again for listening.